You're listening to the Jesus for Everyone podcast, a podcast where we talk about the intersection of faith and social justice and what a first century Jewish prophet of the poor from Galilee offers us today in our work of love, compassion, and justice. To support this podcast, go to renewedheartministries.com and click donate. Very rarely has social change ever come from the center or the top of a social structure. Social change has most often come from the margins, from the outside in, from the grassroots, from the the bottom up. Welcome to episode 499. My name is Herb Montgomery and our title this week is Advent and Change from the Margins. Our feature text is from Mark 1, 1 through 8, and it reads, The beginning of the good news about Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, as is written in Isaiah the prophet, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. And so John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey, and this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. So, Mark's gospel, it associates John the Baptist with two passages here in our reading this week from the the Hebrew Scriptures. And those two passages are conflated into one. The first is from Malachi, Malachi 3.1, where it says, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. And the second is Isaiah 40, verse 3, a voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. So, although uh, the text in Mark there only references Isaiah by name, Mark's author here is doing something interesting by juxtaposing these two passages, the one from Malachi and the one from Isaiah. This passage, it combines the Hebrew prophetic imagery of God coming to cleanse God's temple in Malachi with language that originally referred to liberation from foreign oppression, specifically Babylonian captivity, and and a path being made in the wilderness for the liberated exiles upon which to return. And again, that's from Isaiah. To understand this kind of rhetoric, I think we have to look at what was happening in John's and Jesus' society when the Gospel of Mark was writing about. The, the, the temple state leadership uh, had become corrupted during this time. Uh, little, they had become little more than, than wealthy, a wealthy elite class that 
helped maintain Roman oppression in Judea as well as the surrounding regions. The poor at this time were getting poorer and the wealthy were getting richer through their complicity and their cooperation with Rome. And many of the common people, they were just simply trying to scratch out an existence. And then John appears in the wilderness. And this narrative element, it clues us into the fact that John will be working in the wilderness or outside of the establishment. He'll be calling for change, which is the word repentance, from the edges or the undersides of his society, outside of the official channels. Social salvation in this story, in Mark, it's not coming from the established center, from those in charge of the temple state. It's coming from the margins. It's coming from someplace out in the wilderness. And commenting on this imagery and its possible application to our lives today, Ched Myers in, in the book, Say to This Mountain, Mark's Story of Discipleship, uh, Ched writes, this is, this is page 11 through 23. I'm just going to take snippets from there. Uh, the experience of wilderness is common to the vast majority of people in the world. Their reality is at the margins of almost everything that is defined by the modern Western world as the good life. The wilderness has not been created by accident. It is the result of a system stacked against many people and their communities whose lives and resources are exploited to benefit a very small minority at the centers of power and privilege. It is created by lifestyles that deplete and pollute natural resources. It is created by the forced labor of impoverished farmers who strip steep mountainsides in order to eke out an existence from infertile terrain while the most arable land produces profit for a few families. Wilderness is the residue of war and greed and injustice. One of the first steps of hope for people in such wilderness places is to understand that their situation reflects social and political forces, not the divine will. While the margin has a primarily negative political connotation as a place of disenfranchisement, Mark, the Gospel of Mark, Mark ascribes to it a primarily positive theological value. It is the place where the sovereignty of God is made manifest where the story of liberation is renewed, and where God's intervention in history occurs. Luke's gospel makes this point about John the Baptist, I think, even more forcibly than, than Mark's does, in showing that John's father was actually part of the temple establishment. You can find that in Luke 1, 9-10. Luke's implication here is that John the Baptist came from a certain social location. He came from the center of society, and he chose to reject that social location with all of its privileges to work for change from the outside, from that wilderness location. Very rarely has social change ever come from the center or the top of a social structure. Social change has most often come from the margins, from the outside in, from the grassroots, from the 
the bottom up. And in the beginning of Mark, this is the truth. This is the story that is being told once again. John's preaching, remember, in the wilderness, it, it centered on a specific place in the wilderness, and that was the River Jordan. The Jordan provided water that was moving, it was flowing, it was what they called living water for for uh, uh, for what grew to be an, the, the, the central ritual associated with John's preaching, which was baptism by immersion, it was baptism in living water. And his, the historical Jesus scholars today, they understand John's baptism to have been economic and political as well as religious. All of the three categories in John's society, they overlap. They combined in John's preaching and in John's baptism. They were calling the people to return to fidelity to the God of the Torah, for sure. And although that sounds very religious to us today, especially uh, we have to understand that this was specifically in regard to the Torah's economic justice teachings. And again, this point is forcibly made in Luke's Gospel too, de describing John the Baptist's preaching in John 3, 10-14. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none. Anyone who has food should do the same. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, what should we do? Don't collect any more than you're required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? He replied, don't exhort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Many historical Jesus scholars today believe that that John's baptism, it was in this context a form of protest against the temple establishment that had become an, an extension, a mere extension of, of Roman rule, of Roman oppression. And John's calls for repentance and the promise of forgiveness, they, those weren't for personal or individual sins. Those didn't exist in that, in that culture. Um, it wasn't about personal or private violations of, of private piety. In Luke, the, the passage we just read, John is railing against economic and social sins, practices that impact people's lives together as a society. Josephus also weighs in on John the Baptist. Who, and, and remember, Josephus was much more closely located to the characters in these stories than we are. Uh, it, it, he writes about John's popularity with the people and the, the threat that the established elites, and specifically Herod, came to feel uh, towards John. In Josephus' History of the Jews, he writes, John was a good man who had admonished the Jews to practice virtue and to treat each other justly, with due respect to God and to join in the practice of baptism. John's view was that correct behavior was a necessary preliminary to baptism. If baptism was to be acceptable to God, baptism wasn't to gain pardon for sins committed, but for the purification of the body which had already been consecrated by righteousness. Herod became alarmed at the crowds that gathered around John, who aroused them to a fever pitch with his sermons. Eloquence that had such a powerful effect on people might lead to sedition, since it seemed 
that the people were prepared to do everything John recommended. So the story of John the Baptist in our reading this week, when we understand it in its context, it's a story of of just change. It's a story of of change toward a more just uh, society originating from the margins of a society and with both which both John and and Jesus too were both figureheads. This is a story that when I look at it through this lens, it resonates deeply with me today. Today we too have uh, voices from the edges of our society calling for change, calling for justice, calling for things to be different. This Advent season, I have to ask myself, what is God doing right now on the margins? And I can't help but think of, of movements for change that have formed around like the concerns of, of gender justice, racial justice, LGBTQ justice, indigenous people's justice, economic justice, even ecological justice. And there are so many more areas where justice is needed. These are just the, the ones that come to mind for me first. Advent announces that something has come. Something we have long hoped for is finally here. And, and of the many things that we hope for, one is a world characterized by distributive justice. It's a world here and now that's a safe, compassionate, and just home for everyone, where, where no one is afraid, or in the words of the Hebrew prophets in Micah 4.4, it says everyone will sit under their own vine, under their own fig tree. So this second week of Advent, we read about a time when that just world came to us once before. That world would soon be beheaded with John and crucified with Jesus. But when it came, both John and Jesus' ministries, it began in both on the margins, on the edges. And this calls me to pay attention today to what's happening in our time on the edges, what's happening in the grassroots or in the wilderness locations of our own society. Each time that that world that we all hope for, has, each time it has arrived throughout history, it has most often started uh, in those wilderness locations. So where is that world showing up again for us today? And who can we come alongside and participate with in making that world a reality for us all. Heart group application number one, share something that spoke to you from this week's e-site or podcast episode with your heart group. Number two, how has your own living on the margins or listening to others who do, how has that informed how you read the Jesus story? Share and discuss that with your group. And then lastly, as always, number three, what can you do this week, big or small, to continue setting in motion the work of shaping our world into a safe, compassionate, just home for everyone? 
Thanks for checking in with us today. I want to say a special thank you to all of our supporters out there. If you'd like to join them in supporting Renewed Heart Ministries, you can do so by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking Donate. From now to the end of the year, all year-end donations will be being matched dollar for dollar. We have a couple thank you offers right now that are happening on our website uh, for those who who uh, support our ministry as well. You can find Renewed Heart Ministries on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Threads. If you haven't done so already, uh, please follow us on your chosen social media platform for our, our daily post. And if you enjoy listening to this podcast, take a moment on whatever platform you're listening to it on and, and take a moment this weekend and leave us a positive review. This helps others find this podcast as well. You can watch our new YouTube show called Just Talking each week where Todd Leonard and I take a moment to talk about the gospel lectionary reading for the upcoming weekend. We'll talk about those readings in the context of love, inclusion, and societal justice. Our hope is that our talking will be just and that also will inspire you alongside with us to do more than just talking. If you teach from the lectionary or if you're just looking for um, some thoughts on the Jesus story from a more progressive perspective within the context of social justice, check us out. You might like it. You can find it at at, uh, youtube.com at Herb and Todd Just Talking. Please like, subscribe, hit the notification button when you get there. Leave us a comment. And if you'd like to reach us here at Renewed Heart Ministries through email, you can reach us at info at renewedheartministries.com. Lastly, my new book, Finding Jesus, a story of a fundamentalist preacher who unexpectedly discovered the social, political, and economic teachings of the Gospels is now also available at renewedheartministries.com. Right where you are this week, keep living in love. Keep choosing compassion, keep taking action, and keep working for justice. Keep an eye on the margins. I love each of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.